Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, your host. And today we're going to be focusing on emotional unavailability when it comes to relationships. If you've ever been in a relationship with someone who's emotionally unavailable, you know the pain of not being able to get close to the one that you love. If you are in a relationship with someone who is emotionally unavailable, communication may be broken. It may also seem as if they are detached or that they're not interested. But this always or this isn't always necessarily the case. We're going to be covering topics from underlying issues, the outcome, signs, and how we can approach these relationships. Many factors can play into the background of why someone is just not able to commit emotionally. It could be fear of rejection, fear of commitment, anxiety. So we want to know how we can help someone who has these fears and what are the triggers. Joining us today is Dawn Binkowski. She's a registered psychotherapist and owner of the Port Credit Therapy Center. She empowers others to realize that change is possible and helps with those first steps into a new direction. Welcome, Dawn, to the show. You haven't been on the show for a while. This is your second time. I think it's, was it last year you were on the show? Because the show's actually this month, it's our third year anniversary. So was it last year or was it year before? It was a year ago and we spoke about narcissism. Yes, I remember. <laughs> well, welcome back to the show. So Dawn, what has been your experience working with emotionally unavailable people when it comes to relationships? People often come to therapy because there is some block with the emotional availability. And that either uh, is coming from a place that their partner's unable to connect with them um, or they're unable to connect themselves. And it manifests in either problems in a number of relationships, if it's coming from within them, or their significant relationship, which also can be a romantic relationship. It also could be difficulty with a sibling or difficulty with uh, familial relationships. Emotional availability is actually uh, can feel a little risky for people. Yeah, we know that some people want to desperately connect with new potential suitors in a very real way, but often they have no model of what that really looks like and how to do it. And one of life's, I think, interesting phenomenons is that we often reject the, the thing that we want the most, the, the thing that we seek, that we want so bad. So the most distant and emotionally unavailable people want to be available and feel that connection, but fear and learn coping strategies, they get in the way. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the fears that develop or what is associated with being emotionally unavailable? So it all starts with our very first relationship, which is with our caregivers. Okay. We are wired to be in relationship. And from the moment that we're born, we innately know that we need to bond with our caregivers in order to survive. What happens, though, is a baby is born into an environment that they have no control over and they didn't choose themselves. And starting from the moment of birth, an infant is sensing at that point what behaviors increase their chances of getting their needs met by their caregivers and what behaviors decrease their chances of getting their need met. And this is how character is formed. Certain traits get pushed to the surface and certain traits get suppressed. For example, if 
someone is born into a family where there is a lot of emotional volatility. Mm -hmm. Starting from a very young age, even infancy, that infant is going to get a sense of a lack of safety. And they are going to inform themselves and organize their brain in such a way about how best do I need to carry myself? How best do I need to conduct myself in this family in order to ensure my survival? In a situation, for example, where there's a lot of emotional volatility, that child comes in, looks around, sees all the craziness that's going on, and decides to hold back. So that child recognizes that there's a lot going on in the environment, and it decides to hold back, to sit back, to shut up, and to scan the environment, which often develops into a hypervigilance. It's not safe to put myself out into the environment. It's safer to stay back. Now, does it always start from childhood? Or can it develop from a bad breakup? Like, almost like, can a bad breakup cue a domino effect of emotional availability? Absolutely. It, that can happen, especially if we've been in a toxic relationship. And... Again, we're constantly learning. Our survival mechanism is constantly taking in any negative experiences we have and is imprinting on our brain and saying, danger, danger, when something the primitive part of our brain deems as similar to a time when we've been hurt. We are discussing emotional unavailability when it comes to relationships. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more very interesting stuff coming up. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're back. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. In studio with me is Don Binkowski, a registered psychotherapist. And today we're talking about uh, emotional unavailability when it comes to relationships. Uh, Don, I was reading up on the attachment theory and power of attachment. The attachment theory talks about how it begins from when you are an infant and the bond that it shared between an infant and the caregiver, which you spoke about in the first segment. Can you explain, though, a little bit more about what the avoidant attachment style is? Sure. Uh, avoidant attachment style is one of the four attachment styles that we have as a default. In an avoidant attachment style, something has happened in the original attachment to the caregivers that was unsafe in some way, either from the infant reaching out and nobody being there or from being met with a negative response. Uh, there can be a variety of situations or witnessing what's going on between, for example, emotionally volatile parents. Um, the child gets the message that it is not safe to be in touch with their emotions and to express it outwards. And it's really good that kids learn how to do that because it helps them survive in the family dynamic that they're born into. 
The problem occurs is that most of the coping mechanisms that we develop as children become maladaptive once we're an adult mm -hmm. because we're in a totally Which different, makes total sense. Right. But we don't realize that. We're not, we're not taught that. So we have organized our brain and our way in being in the world in a way that fit for childhood. But once we're an empowered adult and we are responsible for co-creating the relationships that we want as an adult, if we're not including our emotional self, then there's going to be a problem. Right. What also happens with avoidant attachment is we can be drawn to other people that are avoidant. We might have learned to be avoidant because our caregivers were not emotionally available, and so that was all that was available to us. And then often is the case is that wounded part of us senses something similar in another person and gets activated inside and says, oh my gosh, now I have a chance for a do-over. If I can turn this person around, then I'll know it wasn't my fault. Right. Because that was one of my questions. You know, what does that say about us? If we're attracting emotionally unavailable people, is it because we're natural born fixers or perhaps we're emotionally unavailable ourselves and we attract emotionally unavailable people? Right. I will say that I don't know that there are any babies that are born natural born fixers. It's an adjustment and an adaptation to the family dynamic that they're born into. If the child, if they, starting in infancy even, it, if the infant or child deems that the caregivers are unable to meet their own emotional needs, then often the child will develop a persona of being the caretaker I, or the rescuer. I did mean as an adult. Sure. It starts there, but <laughs> yeah. then we carry it on later. Right. Okay, so, so let's talk about recognizing the signs and how to deal with an emotionally unavailable person. So sometimes we're dating someone who is emotionally unavailable and we get the wrong vibe. We think that they're just not interested. But that isn't always the case, right, Don? I mean, you know how many times we've we've heard this. Um, if he's not pursuing you, then he's just not interested. So how true is this statement when you're dealing with an emotionally unavailable person? Uh, there's no one answer that that fits for everybody. Right. So, yes, absolutely, there are people that are uh, have struggle with emotional availability. Um, but they really like somebody, but they don't know how to move forward because their fear, their anxiety, their uh, belief system holds them back. If you're dealing with somebody like that, then it's working with them to create a safe emotional space. Right. Depending on the severity of the wounds that cause the emotional shutdown, that isn't always possible with the person that they're interested in because it's far too risky. And that is part of the role of a therapist that comes in because we are able to, using the therapeutic relationship, explore this in a safe, supportive way. So what is so risky? Actual contact, unfiltered contact, feels a little risky. Two people sitting across from each other, looking and gazing at each other without doing anything or filling the space with words, actually can feel equally exciting and scary mm -hmm. because we're there. We're not covering ourselves. We're there in our raw, our raw emotional vulnerability. And many, many people have had some wounds associated with that. Yeah. So and how do we recognize the signs that says this person has low self-esteem self or is emotionally unavailable? What are the signs that we should look out for? 
there are a, a number of, of potential flags. Um, hot and cold. I hot and that. cold when somebody moves in and then moves back and moves in and moves back. There's something that's going on there. Somebody who is uh, seducing, uh, overly flattering. That also is a barrier to emotional availability. Somebody who is quick to rush to intimacy in the beginning, but then can't sustain it. There's some, you know, for some reason, I don't really know why, but three months often seems to be a, a regular amount of time where people that are emotionally unavailable then start to back up because that's when the relationship starts to go to the next step. Now we're committed. We're hanging out with each other. And that's when the risk increases. We are discussing the signs on how to deal with an emotionally unavailable person. Uh, When we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, we're going to continue this conversation. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, I am joined by Dawn Binkowski. She's a registered psychotherapist and owner of the Port Credit Therapy Centre. We are talking about emotional unavailability when it comes to relationships. And before the break, we were discussing the signs uh, and how to deal with an emotionally unavailable person. So I want to continue with that conversation. Dawn, are there any more signs... uh, that says, you know, this person maybe has low self-esteem or is emotionally unavailable? What are the signs to look out for? Often with low self-esteem, there'll be some anxiety that's underneath, and there often can then be a hyper-focus on the other person. So a fear that they're going to disappoint or a belief that eventually they're going to be disappoint, they'll disappoint the other and then eventually be rejected. So what's the point of taking the risk? Right. Risk is too great, so I'm not even going to make that attempt. So that's part of it there. Um, it also can take different forms. So somebody that's emotionally unavailable themselves may well take the role of being the caretaker of people who are emotionally unavailable. They'll be drawn to that, but their own emotional unavailability is disguised or veiled because they're choosing people that are emotionally unavailable. <laughs> yeah. um, Addiction is also something that often is a sign of avoidant attachment and emotional unavailability. What it says is that in the family dynamic that they were born into, there was not enough support in identifying feelings, expressing feelings, being heard, learning how to self-soothe, and supported in their feelings. So the only mechanism that was left for them to deal with their feelings was suppression and avoidance. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, substances or uh, uh, addictive patterns of behavior are very effective at shielding us from these deeper wounds and the risk of emotional vulnerability. Okay, so let's let's say someone is uh, dating a person who's in a relationship with someone who is emotionally unavailable. And this person is hot and cold. When things get too close for comfort, they're off again. This can be extremely damaging to the person on the receiving end. I mean, thoughts go through your mind like, maybe I'm not good enough. Was it something I said? Maybe I'm not attractive enough. How is one to deal with that? What are you to do if you are on the receiving end? Because I know a lot of people that are on the receiving end or have been on the receiving end. 
Absolutely. So first off, it's nurture healthy curiosity about yourself and where that comes from. Why, what is, why is it that you're hooked into pursuing somebody? Why is it that you're staying in a relationship? Well, because maybe, Dawn, you have a really strong bond with this person. Because being single, it's really difficult to meet someone that you uh, are compatible with, someone that you're attracted to, someone that you can see a future with. So you finally, you meet someone that you think is fantastic. Everything, you know, all the, the boxes are checked, except for this one huge major issue. And, and that's what keeps you there. Because you have, and if you have faith, like someone like myself, I'm I'm a believer. I'm, I have faith, so I'm going to hang in there, right? And I'm one to want to fix someone because that's just my personality. Or maybe like what you said, maybe I'm emotionally unavailable, and that's why I attract that. Or m- maybe you are emotionally available, but there's something about someone who's emotionally available that has something to do with your past. And right. So, like you, ch- yes, absolutely. You or check maybe off- it's because what I just said. Maybe it's because it's so difficult to meet someone, and you finally meet someone that you believe in, and you think you'll have a great relationship with, and. But they're not emotionally available. Right. The emotional unavailability is a very big part of a healthy relationship. And so if that isn't there, there's a bit of a flag. And so it's important, I think, to, or my, it is important to get familiar with what's going on inside yourself. Because with that awareness, then you're aware of your own choices and what's going on. It's a difficult dynamic especially in a, in a relationship like this, if we are giving the other person the message, I need you to be different in order for me to be okay, because that is going to fuel their insecurity or low self-esteem if that's where it's coming from. If, you're, if, uh, if you really like somebody like that, it's really important to exercise healthy boundaries, which is about recognizing what's your own stuff and what is somebody else's stuff and being able to get clarity on what your own emotional needs are and your own relationship needs are so that you're able to say to the other person from an I-based language type of, uh, type of expression that I need more contact than I think you do or I need more contact than what... I am currently receiving from you. And I'm curious about what's underneath that. And I'm wondering whether it is a possibility or it's not. But we're not going to get that answer by asking. Eventually you can. But if, or if you, well, sorry, let me change that. Um, if you don't get the answer, that's an answer. But that also <laughs> What can, does that mean if you don't get an answer? What's the answer? Leave me alone? <laughs> it, it's a no. But okay. there is a way to... Invite the person to create, come into a safe space, and that's about the well, the the being well boundaried. This is me and my needs, and you're another person, and you have your own needs and your own defense mechanisms. And so I'm trying to see if there's a way that you and I can bridge. I really like you. I'd like for this to work, but I need to know that you're on board with this too, as opposed to me pursuing you and you withdrawing. We're going to discuss uh, the help that's out there for those dealing with emotional unavailability when we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 
You're listening to Global News Radio 640 Toronto, the dating and relationship show. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, and Don Benkowski's in studio with me. She's a registered psychotherapist. What an interesting conversation today, Don. Thank you. I think we're helping a lot of people with this conversation today. We're talking about emotional unavailability when it comes to relationships. And now I want to discuss um, the help that might be available for those dealing with emotional unavailability. So more often than none, when, when someone can't really commit to a relationship, it has a lot to do with fear. Fear of commitment, fear of rejection, the fear of not being good enough. They may have anxiety issues. All these fears and emotions contribute to a person being emotionally unavailable. Don, can this person who has these fears go on and have a healthy and happy relationship at some point in their life? Uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Thank you. Yes. It, it is possible. It's possible. Um, and it would happen from uh, two different ways. One might be that they meet somebody that is uh, wired similarly. Two people that are emotionally avoidant can actually have a good enough relationship. <laughs> it's not going to be as deep or as emotionally fulfilling, but that might be the level of safety that's needed because of their previous experiences. In order to have a emotionally attached and emotionally vulnerable, a relationship where people can go to emotional vulnerability with each other, which is important to have the healthiest of all relationships, then work needs to be done mm-hmm. with the couple and with the individual or individuals. The person has to want to change themselves. We cannot change or fix anybody else. Very important. Say that again. Yes. We we can't change or Thank fix you. anybody. It has we can talk from that I-based place. I really care about you and I am re- I really hope that we're able can to they change connect. if you care about them like if you show them that you'd care you and you're there for them. It's highly unlikely that you can love somebody out of Okay, this. so what the question is is can the choice to change be inspired by love? Uh Yes, the choice can can the choice can inspire the desire to change, absolutely, and that's probably one of the uh, issues that that leads somebody to therapy. People who have come into my office because their partner or the person that they really like. Um, and I haven't met anybody like this person for a long time and all that kind of, like what you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Um, and they can feel deep down inside some longing and connection. A connection. To, to want to connect with this person, and that can propel them to then seek out therapy and do their own work. The therapeutic relationship is designed for this because it is safe. When it's hard to do this with the person that you really like because the risk factor is so great. There's a belief that if I open myself to this person, I am going to get hurt. That's why I've shut off from my emotional availability. And in the therapeutic relationship, we work with creating the safe space, building the trust in the relationship so that that person, the client, can eventually open to the thought, the fact that the therapist actually cares about them and that it's safe. 
And then as well going along, if they're angry or disappointed about something, because we therapists are human beings and we screw up too sometimes, is by addressing that in the in the therapeutic relationship, then that per and we, we provide a space for that person to talk about how they were hurt, how they were angry by whatever it is that we did, and we hold space for it and we make it safe, which then allows them to know that it's an option to do that out in the real world. Without therapy, is there anything that emotionally unavailable people can do to start overcoming their fears? Let's just say today, before therapy. Sure, absolutely. Um, I've said it a couple of times already. I'm a big proponent of getting curious about our own processes. We are fascinating as human beings in our adaptations, our coping mechanisms, our defense mechanisms. And when we're able to approach ourselves from a place of curiosity, it overrides judgment. Because we're really afraid. What's underneath emotional availability? We're afraid that we are going to be uh, rejected, exposed as being flawed in some way. And so by looking at uh, curiosity, our, ourselves from a place of curiosity and figuring out, oh, isn't that interesting? That, that when I feel the most towards somebody, I hold my breath, I start to tense, I get busy in my head, I distract, I do a number of things. The more aware you are about what you're doing then opens the opportunity to change because then you become aware and this is also part of therapy as well but you can do it for yourself you become aware that you're making a choice in how you are going to respond to this we often feel with behaviors like this that we have no choice it's become habitual which means unconscious and we need to take a break we're going to continue this conversation we're discussing emotional unavailability in relationships on the dating and relationship show stay with us Back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Emotional unavailability happens when someone has difficulty understanding how their unresolved hurt and anger issues manifest in ways that cause distance in their relationship. The end result is someone who seems to constantly keep people at a distance while they themselves maintain a self-protective shield in an attempt to avoid further hurt. So, Dawn, how prevalent is this? Is this something that happens often to people? Uh, is it more common than we think? It's very common. Um, there's a range. There's a large range. Um, there also is... Uh, not all emotional uh, or unavailability is chronic. Sometimes it's temporary because of what's going on in that person's environment or something that they're sensing in the dynamic between themselves and another person. Um, withdrawing emotionally is also a, um, a necessary protection mechanism. We need to be able to withdraw sometimes when we're deeming that there's something unsafe. But why do some people, uh, they, they withdraw and then they come back? They withdraw and then they come back. Why, why come back? Because part of them knows they want the relationship. 
often. Not always. It sometimes can be a scenario where somebody needs to get some external validation, reassurance that they are wanted, that someone loves them, that someone cares about them. So they'll drop the occasional text just to get something back and it satisfies that immediate need. But when people are going back and forth and they come in, there's a part of them that's saying, man, I want this. And that also, we all as human beings are trying to get our unmet childhood needs met. So we can complete the cycle. We just go about doing it in uh, uh, in a variety of different ways that are more or less productive. So what are we to do when they come back? They leave, they come back. What are we supposed to do? So uh, it's about having an honest conversation. I need to know what's going on. I'm curious about what's going on with you. Why? For me, this is what my experience is. Each time you come back, I'm filled with hope that all of a sudden something will be different. And then I start to look for the signs, perhaps, when you start checking your watch or you say, oh, gee, look at the time. Or when you start to distract yourself by looking at your phone or something. Do you think that people who are emotionally unavailable just expect that you should know where they're coming from and how they're feeling? No. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of people... uh, that have that hope, and that's about unmet childhood needs, that if that we need, we have an expectation that the people that we care most about should just know what we need, and that is actually a tie back to early wounds and how we needed our caregivers to be able to anticipate. Um, many people, especially if they're coming from the low self-esteem anxiety uh, place of emotional unre- unavailability, often feel like... Um, they're the only one in the world that goes through this. And it can be, that's, that's a, a, a central part of therapy as well, is letting them know that they're not alone, that there's many people that do this. And as well, support for how they got wired this way so that they're not viewing themselves as, as being wrong. It's like, no, absolutely, it is good that you developed this coping mechanism because you needed it to survive and I am really happy that you have that available to you whenever you feel unsafe. The problem is is that it's become habitual, unconscious, and this is the only way that you respond when you start to sense emotional intimacy is percolating up. So I read this article by this guy named Paul Graves who was emotionally unavailable. He suffered from low self-esteem and he explains it as feeling shameful or embarrassed about who you are deep in your core. He says you feel different, damaged or flawed in irreversible ways. You don't love yourself. He says if you're dating or in a relationship with an emotionally unavailable person, not to give up on them, that they need you, that many times it will be confusing and that they may hurt you without wanting to. Some of the things that he, he did was seek attention outside of the relationship. His his low self-esteem led him to crave attention from other potential partners. He was addicted to approval and validation from other women. He was also scouring online dating sites. He believed that he must have gotten lucky that he was was unworthy of his partner. He was extremely insecure about other men. He had a difficult time living in the present. He was always living in the past. And that true commitment scared the living lights out of him because he didn't know who the hell he was. He had no faith in his own goodness and he didn't want to hurt her or waste her time. So basically, this guy is saying not to give up on the relationship. Don, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, there are many people going through this right now, so they want to hear this. Absolutely. Um, I have difficulty whenever there is the word regardless in a sentence. I should stay in this relationship regardless of how it's impacting me. 
what is really crucially important for people that are emotionally unavailable is having healthy, safe boundaries in whatever relationship they have, which means I am going to take responsibility for getting my own needs met. Instead of giving it to you or the other person saying, I need you to be different in order for me to be okay. So what that looks like is saying, hey, this is what I need and I'm really hoping that you can meet me here. But if you can't, then I, don't, I can't stay in this relationship because I need to be emotionally connected to the one that I'm closest with. So I don't believe in hanging in regardless. There also is something, if someone is telling you that they're not good at relationships, they're not good at commitment, believe them. But what it, what about when they tell you that they really want a relationship? Although the, they're not good at a, they're not good at relationships, but they really want to be in a relationship. That gives you hope. It does give you hope, absolutely. But then it is also important for you to insert yourself and say, "Okay, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear this. I can feel some excitement. What I need is." I need this from you. I need for you to be honest, for example. I need for you to bring your relationship needs here in our relationship as opposed to something external. Now, what if you don't get a chance to see this person? How are you to have this conversation? Um, I've often suggested to uh, people, and I think even before when I was single, I had said it myself. It feels to me like there's some barrier to you wanting to have contact with me. I just want to let you know that I absolutely am open to continuing our relationship, but it feels to me like there's some barrier. If I'm wrong, please let me know. If I'm right and there's something that's going on with you right now that's a barrier, then um, I will respect that. Can it be done through text? It, it can. It can be. Do- I, I would suggest <laughs> email as opposed to text. Okay, we need we need to take a break. Uh, when we come back on the dating and relationship show, we're going to continue this conversation about uh, being in a relationship or dating someone who is emotionally unavailable. We're going to also touch on what you can do at home to help an emotionally unavailable person. We're going to continue that conversation. <laughs> You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're tuned into the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. On tonight's show, uh, we are discussing. Um, Emotional unavailability in relationships. Uh, This show is for people who may be emotionally unavailable themselves or may be dating or in a relationship with someone who has these fears. In studio with me is Dawn Minkowski. She is a registered psychotherapist and she really does know her stuff, let me tell you. You are amazing, Dawn. I love you. Uh, Well, we certainly covered a lot on today's show and I learned some things uh, as well that I didn't know. I want to discuss too or continue the conversation on how we can help someone who is dealing with these types of fears, fear of commitment, fear of rejection. Is there anything else that you want to add to the conversation that uh, we can do to help this person? Sure. And uh, keeping in mind, too, that we don't want to pressure them, make them feel uncomfortable, or push them push them away any further. Sure. Um, an important part in having these conversations with them is 
our own emotional availability, which means holding the space for them. And if they are saying, I just can't risk to go there, it feels too scary that we hold the space for that. And if we know something about their history, then say, absolutely, I can understand why you might need to do that and why this might feel risky. This isn't you being their therapist or something, but it's just acknowledging and supporting what it is that's going on inside. So basically just sitting back and letting them come to you or coming to that realization that, hey, maybe this person's worth it and maybe I want to take that further step to getting the help that I need. Yes, and there's a paradox in it. By supporting the resistance to it, we actually create the safe space for them to venture out into what feels like risky territory. I love it. Yes. What are the risks of getting involved with an emotionally unavailable person if they don't want to seek help? Uh the problem is, is then we're setting ourselves up for a relationship where our relationship needs and emotional needs are not being met. Mm-hmm. And if we've noticed that there's any kind of pattern in this, then there's something in our past that needs to be addressed, that we need to heal from. Because it often is that wounded child, as I said, that's looking for a do-over. And it's the wounded child that's in the relationship. One of the ways that we can test for that is by the level of... Um, emotional attachment. I call it we get hooked sometimes. Part of us might know that this is not the best relationship for us, but we can't let go. Why? Because it's it an is, obsession. <laughs> it's, it, it's about that's the wounded child. That is the developmental trauma that's been activated. And it's not so much about that other person. It's about if I can turn this person around, if I can get them to see me like I was never seen in childhood but needed, then I'll know that it wasn't my fault. And that is So not, you're validating yourself, essentially. You're addressing, it's, it's displaced unmet need because often even if we get that, that need reemerges because we need to address what the core wound was. So that, that's, that's part of it. The other piece is it's really important, again, from a place of curiosity to get really clear about what our relationship needs are, what our relationship would like to haves are, and increase our ability to communicate that. Um, to the person that's emotionally un- unavailable, we can demonstrate what emotional availability looks like by talking about our own feelings, not making them responsible for it, but saying, you know, when I didn't hear from you from a week, I've, for a week I felt dropped. And I've told myself a story that somehow you thought I wasn't enough in some way. So I just wanted to let you know how your actions have actually impacted me. I'm not holding you responsible for it. It's my decision and my responsibility how I interpret your actions. But this is how it impacted me. And I'd like to hear from you. What does that feel like to hear me say that to you? And these are the very beginning stages of opening to emotional availability. Let's talk about our emotions. Okay, I like that. Because you, I, I would tend to think that you would just ignore the person um, because if you have this conversation, it just might be too much for them and then you're gonna push them away even further. Absolutely, and that's, that, that's a really good point, Laura. Um, if you are gonna have a conversation with somebody like this, it's very important that you make taking a break okay. 
It also is often important on the receiving end of that to, especially if it's already a, a, what a if, relationship. What if you're already taking a break? Uh, well, then <laughs> you, you keep taking breaks. Well, then y- you go back to saying, hey, this is the story that I'm telling myself to, to borrow a phrasing from Brene Brown, which is wonderful. Um, the story that I'm telling myself is that um, you aren't interested anymore or whatever it is. And I just want to find out whether my projection is true or not. And this is as well as leaving space for the other person to be able to say, no, that's not it, or yes, that's right, and I didn't know how to tell you. Um, If they ghost you, they're giving you a message that, no, they are unable to meet you there emotionally. No answer is an answer. Getting ghosted is horrible, isn't it? Okay, so when do we know it's time to walk away? Last question. Uh, by listening to yourself, that if you recognize that you are stuck in a relationship waiting for the other person to change, there's something inside you that needs your attention. Um, it, And if you can't move forward in your own life, if that's all you think about every day, every night, and you're really like, you know, <laughs> taking your, your job's taking a backseat or that, your life's pretty much taking a backseat, then I think that's when it's time to walk away. Absolutely. And if you're open to it, then uh, get some support around that with a therapist or someone trusted that can make space for your emotions. So there you have it. Things to watch out for, things to be aware of, different healing techniques and all you need to know when it comes to dealing with someone who is emotionally unavailable. One thing to remember is that it has nothing to do with you. You didn't do anything wrong and you are good enough. For those who do fear relationships and commitment, when we move into a more authentic and available space, we feel more emotion. We also create deeper, more authentic connections with ourselves and with others. Sometimes you have to put in a little work and you'll find that it's okay to love and to be loved. There is someone out there that will see your potential and will have the patience to work it through. Have faith, believe in yourself. You are worth it. Thank you so much, Dawn, for joining us today. Where can people reach out to you? Uh, People can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, my website, all at Port Credit Therapy Center. Thanks. And you can find me, official Laura Bellotta, on Instagram. You can also um, check out our podcast on uh, the Global News Radio 640 Toronto uh, website. Also, we're on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Ciao for now.